Canadian housing markets. Ooh, there's a big topic today. Are you having buyer's remorse? What can you do about it? That's our topic today on the Debt Matters Podcast, where we help Canadians find solutions to their debt with licensed insolvency trustees from all across Canada. I'm Wayne Kay, and we're going to talk about that buyer's remorse. Is your house affordable? We're going to talk about costs of renting versus your mortgages. Are the old ideas of homeownership being an investment still true? We're going to talk about that and more with my guest today, Matt Fader from Allen Marshall and Associates, licensed insolvency trustee in Nova Scotia with offices in Halifax and Dartmouth. Thanks for being here, Matt. Thanks for having me, Wayne. Well, what a big topic today. Housing in Canada. It's uh, terrifying for so many people who have bought in the last many years and the costs. I mean, where do we even start with this topic? Well, well, we'll start with a disclaimer by that. By no means is this any kind of financial advice or forecasting. Um, a lot of the things that I'll talk about are just speculation on what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I sincerely hope that I'm wrong, um, but time will tell, right? Because the, the market, the market's nuts. It is nuts. It's right across the country. It's nuts. Now, it, it, we're seeing some places that are starting to drop a bit, but uh, and we've got uh, the rates and all these people going to be renewing and they can't afford their homes now. We're seeing so many Canadians, they're having a tough time and they're stressed because maybe they're paying 2%, 2.5%, and now they're going to have to re-sign at 5, 5.56%, and you didn't have money before. What do you do then? Yeah. Yeah, and that that's a really, really critical issue that we're going to run into as far as the market is concerned. Because what we saw trending with the housing markets, you know, when the pandemic hit and things were shutting down and people were worried about their jobs or their careers or even their lives, nobody really expected, especially here in Nova Scotia where I'm at, to see the housing market explode the way it did. I mean, I had sold my condo about six months before the pandemic. And when it hit, I was like, oh, thank FUD. You know, I mean, (laughs) oh, my God, I'm glad I got out of this when I did, not realizing that had I hung on for six months in the pandemic, I probably would have made an extra 70 grand. Yeah. So completely unpredictable um, and, and a really bizarre market where asking price almost became like a reserve on an auction. (laughs) And people were going in and it was like, oh, if you want this house, you got to bid 20 or 30% above asking. Mm-hmm. And that's just bananas. Right. But, but, but then the, fear the, takes over. Fear fear gets into people. They're like, if I don't get in now, it's going to keep going and going and going. Right. And we just saw this. People were yeah. buying their first house without even inspections. And the amount of money that it could cost by the house being a dud just, oh, it terrifies me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, some of them, like you said, without inspections. So it's like I'm buying an 80 year old home with electrical and and like, you know, like probably arsenic pipes, if those (laughs) things exist. You know what I mean? Like asbestos everywhere. Yeah. Um, It's just what have you gotten into as far as remediation costs? Yeah. So you have this giant mortgage on a house that you overpaid for with potentially and, and, and don't get me wrong, Wayne, because old houses are great because if you went out and you bought a new one it was built in two weeks and you know it, yeah. it, it it's going to be falling apart in seven years well the big thing is too 
the banks. I, I'm not. I'm not real happy with the banks uh, when you know I went and got my mortgage and what they told me I could spend, as opposed to me being a a math money guy looking at it going that's not. If I sign up for with the, what you guys are saying, and if I go buy a house that you're suggesting, how am I going to eat? But they didn't care about that. <laughs> so I'm like, no. And I spent half, thank goodness. But now people can't. They, they have to spend that, a high amount of money. How do you figure out if your house is affordable or not? Well, um, a lot of that does boil down to say... Um, doing sort of that detailed analysis of what money is coming into the household and where is it going? Mm-hmm. Um, but people, first time home buyers or things like that, that are coming into it. Sometimes they, they make this, this very general assumption to say, Oh, well, the mortgage is going to be cheaper than rent. So therefore I can afford it. And you're like, eh, yeah, but how do you heat that place? What's the property tax value? What repairs or maintenance need to be done to the house as far as upkeep? What are all these additional costs that are associated with home ownership that don't factor down to somebody who's renting? Because, you know, like I rent right now, and if every window in this apartment breaks, I don't have to fix them. <laughs> yeah. That's what I pay. That's why I pay rent. These are somebody else's windows. It is their responsibility to fix them. If it was my responsibility to fix them, I'd be like, where's that money going to come from? Because unless I'm actually very cautious and cognizant of what money is going in and where it's going, and as a result of that, being able to have a bank account, a savings or tax-free or whatever it is that we can pop money into to cover for these types of expenses, unless I can do that... I'm in trouble. I'm forcing myself to fall back into credit or I'm forcing myself, you know, in some ways to borrow, do whatever it is to make this all work. And then that's just a perpetuating cycle of saying, well, it's now costing me more and more and more. And and as you alluded to, what's going to happen in five years time when these COVID mortgages come up for renewal? You know, I entered into them at 2% when it was affordable Five years later, I've made very little headway on the principal because you haven't, because guess what? Paying 2% on a mortgage on a $600,000 house, you're not going to make a whole lot of headway on that. Mm-hmm. When it comes up to renewal, if you owe you know, 570000 on it, even if you've knocked out thirty, and that renewal comes in at 5%, you're underwater. Because you say, I can't afford to have my mortgage rate double. And we've seen that. One of the numbers that I don't think is captured quite as well um, are the people who during the pandemic took advantage. Like they didn't sell, they didn't buy. But because the market was hot and property values were so high, they went in and they got um, HELOCs, which are home equity lines of credit, uh, against this new purported equity against the house. So, you know, prior to pandemic, hey, my house is worth 250 But then because of all of this rush and everything that came in, I could go into the bank and I could tell them to go to the bank and say, look, I could easily sell this house for 450 And the bank say, great, we'll pick that as our appraisal. We're going to give you a line of credit of hundred grand or whatever it is. And you can use that to pay off your credit card, pay off your line of credit, pay all these expenses. And you're like, that's great. 
Perfect, right? Mm-hmm. You know, secured line of credit against my house. I can pay off all this unsecured debt, low interest rate, everything's wonderful. But as we spoken about before in the past, without an adjustment to my spending, that becomes a slippery slope. And more importantly, with a lot of these home equity lines, uh, it's a line of credit. So it's a variable rate, right? It's not a fixed rate. It's not being re-amortized or re-signed every five years. It's a variable rate. So yeah, if I'm at paying prime prime plus three, when the the rate is 2% on 100,000, okay, I can do that. Mm-hmm. But when prime jumps up to five and I'm now paying 8% on that same 100,000, The balance still isn't going anywhere because I'm just making the interest-only payment, Mm -hmm. but my payment's almost tripled. Yeah. Oof, I'm getting stressed out. But this is how people people live, though. People are living under this kind of stress and and the whole housing thing. I I actually did see something uh, once on, on, on wealth, and they said when you rent, that's your maximum. When you buy your mortgage is your minimum. That's the fro- that's the lowest payment you have, and then you have the taxes and the heating and all the other stuff on top. Yeah, and you know, we have a lot of um, sort of conceptions that we need to rethink. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I have spoken before about how we'll never get a chance to retire because that's an old concept. Um, the idea um, of I'm going to buy a house and this house is an investment or it's, you know, my, uh, I'm going to use it as my retirement fund when I turn around and sell it. it. It just doesn't really work anymore. It worked when you paid 20 grand for your house in the seventies or eighties and you sold it in the, you know, in the aughts mm-hmm. for 300 because you say, wow, I got a really good return on investment and in having that for 40 years. And it was, it was a great return on investment. But when I buy that house for $400,000 in 40 years time, I'm not going to be selling it for 5 million. Right. You You know what I mean? Can't we hope? (laughs) Well, well, yes. Oh, fingers crossed. Like like I said, I hope I'm wrong with a lot of this stuff. I hope just just goes up and up and up, but we have to say, well, how much money's out there to be able to afford that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But there seems like there's a lot of money because there's all these people and maybe they, maybe you already explained where they're getting it from, where you go, okay, well, they work a similar job to me. They were, I'm sure they're in the same kind of uh, tax bracket as me, but why are they driving the brand new big truck and all of a sudden they got that big boat uh, there as well? And, oh, geez, they just did all the renovations. What's going on? How is the, how, I don't even... I don't know mathematically how a lot of things work. I I I I, I do that constantly as I walk down the halls of the building that I live in, um, and I say, you know, I do okay. What are these other people doing out there? Or you drive down the road, and you know, like mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm I don't have any kids. Um, I don't have a spouse. I don't have to pay support. I have a fairly good income. And I'm looking at these houses that are giant houses with, you know, and two cars in the driveway. And I know the kids are in hockey and soccer or whatever it is. And I'm thinking, how do you do this? And then those people come into my office and I say, oh, I know how you do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> because you're just up to in debt up to your eyeballs. Yeah. And, and that's a problem. That's how we're living. So what do we do for the people who are going to be renewing that mortgage and, 
you know, and they can't afford it. What do you do? Well, you can, you can be a little proactive in it. And I mean, I really, and I, like I really don't make it as a suggestion, but we know that this is coming. Like this is predictable yeah. to say if I, if I bought a house or I re-entered into my mortgage three years ago, that if I, if I tied in for five years, that in two years, I'm going to have, I'm going to have to reside. And if there's going to be a hit and I can see that coming, um, the time for me to like, like I, I should start bracing for that hit now mm-hmm. rather than trying to react to it when it's sitting there in front of me, because if it's sitting there in front of me and I'm not prepared for it, you know, um, and, and look, look, wait, a lot of things can happen. Sure. You, you, you buy a house five years later. It's not just did the interest rate go up. It's, am I still married? You know, as, do I have an extra child? Do I have this? What's does my job change? There are so many variables that can come in to say, where was I at five years ago when I bought it to where am I this at this five years where I'm renewing the mortgage? And we always have to have that in the back of our mind to say, if we really want to hang on to our properties, and a lot of people do, you know, they're willing to die to hang on to their house, which I don't quite understand because they don't own the only one. You know, if you own the only house in the world, then I can understand <laughs> your attachment to it. Right. But, you know, it's kind of like when you drive down the road, you're going to see a few more of them out there. So yeah. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you could probably get another one if you're smart about it. But but the thing is, is that if you're saying it's going to be tough in the future, then we need to start looking at saying, how do I soften that blow now? Mm-hmm. So if I'm hemorrhaging cash to debt payment now, do I take advantage of any kind of restructuring? Do I do I do any kind of consultation with somebody or, or, or you know what I mean? Just figure out a way to manage my debt now rather than using the ostrich approach. Yeah. Which is, of course, I'll just stick my head in the sand and hope nobody kicks me in the butt. <laughs> um, but both are coming, right? You know, yeah. your head's in the sand. You're not going to see somebody kicking you in the butt, but it's going to happen if you're not prepared for it. So it's a lot of harsh reality in saying, if you don't know what the problem is, you can't fix it. So let's identify the problem so we can get creative in fixing it now rather than reacting later. You have a lot more options before it becomes a full-blown problem. So you're telling me that if things are really looking, you know, you know you can't afford it, you're saying that you can sell your house. Absolutely. And you'll be like okay. It, so, so yeah, I mean, if the market if the market remains high enough that you say there's enough there for me to pay out the mortgage and I'm being realistic and I say this is an option for me to dump the house, yeah. then of course it's a good option for you. It's not anything anybody wants to do. And I unfortunately have to have this conversation with people lots and lots of times because I say, look, I know you don't want to do it, but you don't have a choice. You can't afford where you're at. And if you stay in there, and this is, again, one of this, these perceptions as far as this is an investment. Now, Wayne, I don't know a lot about investing. But I know if I have a house and I live in a house and I say, this house is my investment, but yet I can't afford to fix the roof or I can't afford to replace the windows or the siding or anything like that, then my investment then falls into disrepair. And if my investment then falls into disrepair, it starts to devalue. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I can't afford to maintain it 
is detrimental to me hanging on to that value that I'm trying to preserve. So it, it, it takes a very, very honest and brutal look at where you're at to say, what is the proper move for you to fix this problem? Sometimes it is sell now because right now you can still take advantage of the market while it is softening. You can still get that sold. You still might be able to walk out with a bit of money. But if you wait and it turns into a fact, if you say, I can't afford to keep this house anymore, and it's not just you, but it's thousands of other people that all bought houses at that same time at the top of that bubble, then you say, I might not be able to sell it to get enough out there to pay the mortgage. Mm -hmm. And then what happens, right? You know, what happens when you sell a house and you can't because you owe... $500,000 $500,000 on a house that you can only get three hundred for. Well, that's when they're going to be coming into your office and looking at some serious options. So I think this is wonderful that we took the time to really dive into what this is looking like and just for people to start looking into, you know, 2024, making some adjustments, planning now, super important. It, Final words of advice from you regarding this topic? Um, yeah, look, it's it's information is never worthless. You know, um, somebody calls my office, if we're just chatting, if we're just going over and I'm sharing information with them, they're getting informed. So then they, they learn a little bit more, you know, it doesn't, there's, there's no committal when you end up speaking to somebody like me, it's, it, it is very much preparing and saying what is available to me. And like I said, I would rather have conversations with people when they have multiple options available to them rather than getting them when they're seven months behind on their mortgage and they say, I want to keep my house. I'm like, well, you kind of can't because the bank's already taken their action. Mm. You know, you should have come and saw me a year ago so we could have fixed this problem then. So so I'd rather see people in action rather than reaction. Um, that allows us to help the most amount of people. And, and talking's free. You know, it doesn't cost you anything. And... <laughs> You'll, you'll walk away with a better insight. I love it. Matt, thank you so much for always uh, coming to the show and answering all these questions for us. We sure appreciate your time. Happy to be here, Wayne. My guest today, Matt Fader. And if you want to learn more, schedule that free consultation with Alan Marshall and Associates. You can go to the website, wecanhelp.ca. And of course, they're licensed insolvency trustees, wecanhelp.ca. That's it for today's Debt Matters podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. And of course, for more information, you can always check out debtmatters.ca. Thanks for listening. 